back. Well, party's starting early today, isn't it? To more of Early Break with Sip and Jay. Brought to you by Gaina Trucking. On 93.7 The Ticket and theticketfm.com. Welcome back in. Early break. Nick Sainer, Jake Bakoven with you. Good morning. Happy Thursday. Two days away from kickoff. I think we're all just ready to play a damn game, Buck. <laughs> That's right. I think I think we're just ready. I, I think we're at that point where it's like... Imagine not having a week zero game. They don't have one next year. I know. We're going to have to actually wait next we're year. We're going to have to get used to waiting a little bit longer. It'll, it'll just feel, it'll feel the same, just like next a, a week who do, in advance. Who do they start out with next year? I'll have to look that up. I, that's weird. I don't even know that. I don't know. I can't remember who I they start out with. I believe the Big Ten said they're not going to schedule more than a year advance either in, in schedules coming up. Um, probably because they're probably adding on, <laughs> planning on adding a few more teams. So, so maybe... Oscar football 2023. Let's just get this here real quick. August 27th. Hey, is that a week zero game? No, excuse me. It's September 9th against Colorado. That's the that's the. So that's gotta be the second earliest game. one they've got scheduled. So they're gonna have to find an opening opponent. Maybe. So maybe they will start out. Okay, so they're non-con next year. They're gonna start out with a conference opponent. That's what. It, yeah, that's what it looks like, isn't it? Because they already have three non-cons. At Colorado versus Northern Illinois versus Louisiana Tech. Hmm. So it looks like next year Nebraska is going to have to start out with a conference opponent once again in week one. Maybe they'll play like a Thursday or a Friday night game. <laughs> yeah, there's a few Big Ten would you, teams. Would you that like do that? that? Yeah, I oh, love those. I mean, Ohio State Minnesota played on a Thursday night a couple years ago. Yeah, I think uh, Penn State Purdue's doing that. I think that's Thursday night this this week or next week. Um, there's a few a few Big Ten teams that are going to do that again this year. Yeah. All right, let's go to the Honda Flickin' Hotline, 402-464-5685. we got Vince. Vince, good morning. What's on your mind, man? Hey, good morning, fellas. How are you? Not too bad. It's two days away. Yes, and, yes indeed. And it can't get here. All I know is that it can't get here fast enough. And uh, as, as, far, you know, as far as the defense and the black shirts, I mean, uh, you know, I mean, I'm 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 fine. I'm fine with having the transfers wait as well because you know I think mm-hmm. it's, it's because to me it's like I mean we we talk about how the transfer portal and the NIL has kind of become college's version of free agency. Well, if you look at it at the professional level, I mean it's like okay, just because a guy performs great in one uniform doesn't necessarily mean he's going to perform that it's going to translate mm-hmm. uh, when he puts on a new one. So you know. And plus, I see it like this. If these guys are what they think they are, it's probably not going to be a whole heck of a lot longer before they, have, uh, before they do have black shirts, you know. And, um, but I think what kind of makes the black shirts and, you know, giving them to starters, here's what makes it a little bit of a slippery slope because you look at how football has evolved. I mean, very – I mean, you don't see a whole lot of conventional offenses where, you know, it's lined up with two backs and a tight end. Now – you know the fullback is off the field. You know, the fullback comes off the field, or that—that that is, you know, if you even have one. And a lot of times you're lining up with three, four, three and four, and sometimes even five receivers. So you've got nickelbacks, you've got dimebacks, and um, and also up front sometimes you might even have a nickel pass rusher. You know, and those guys aren't starters, but they may play a similar amount of snaps. And also, you know. 
And also a lot of these defensive lines, you know, at least the best ones have a seven or eight man rotation where they keep rotating fresh legs in. And um, as far as, as far, you know, as far as the, you know, this defense, I mean, last year, yes, it was the best of the three units, but by no means was it great. But, um, but, but here's what I'm interested in seeing. And, and I, but I think for this defense to take the next step, um, I think with every bit, every bit, I mean, obviously they have to do certain things to elevate their performance, whether it's getting sacks, whether it's getting turnovers. But I also think that the offense and the special teams can help them out because, I, because you know, I think one reason the defense kind of looked like it, you know, like it kind of broke down, you know, near the end of the season is because they had a whole for throughout the season, you know, they were constantly getting let down by the offense, whether it's you drive in the red zone, you, 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 you a not only not get a touchdown, but you don't even, but you, but you can't even convert makeable field goals. And also, the special teams was constantly putting them behind the eight ball. So I think those two units can kind of indirectly help the defense, you know, make that elevation. But you want to know something, fellas? What's that? You're damn right. You're damn right. Saturday can't get here soon enough. And I got one thing to say to Northwestern and every other team we play. You know what I say? If we can't get along, we might as well get it on. <laughs> there we go. There it is. Thanks for Vince. As always, always fired up. I love those calls. All right, 402-464-5685. Want to hear from you guys the uh the entire show today. Um okay. So are we worried? Let's think about that defense last year. Vince said something along the lines of of the offense and special teams let the defense down often last year, which is which is a pretty valid point, I'd say. Um but here's the thing, Bach. Um, I guess this year, I think it really illustrates or shows how bad Nebraska needs the offense to be of some quality this year. Because last year, when you're playing in a conference like the Big Ten, here's the thing. When you're playing in a conference like the Big Ten, um, you're going to get ran against about 30 times a game, 50 times a game by multiple running backs, especially if you're Wisconsin. Like Wisconsin this year, they get the Clemson transfer, Chesma Lucy, back from injury. Mm-hmm. And the two-headed monster, Chesma Lucy, was ahead of Braylon Allen last year at the start. And then Braylon Allen comes in as a whatever-year-old he was, 17? Yeah, 17-year-old, yeah. and just starts running all over Big Ten defenses. Now you add another, another uh, running back that was having a decently productive season, in terms of Wisconsin standards, you had that right next to Braylon Allen after the season he had last year, and you got a two-headed monster on your hands. You got Mohamed Ibrahim still at Minnesota for what feels like his 10th year in the program with, with a quarterback in Minnesota and Tanner Morgan who's been there forever as well. Now, the one question with Minnesota is offensive line because they have to replace a lot there. Their center, by but, the way, might be an All-American. Um, that's interesting. <laughs> he's the only one returning. but So, like, Northwestern, you look at it here, and we, we talked about Evan Hole yesterday and Cam Porter as well. Um, Evan Hole's going – like, Nebraska, once again, it's that same mentality for me personally. I went back yesterday, Bach, and last night I was re-watching the uh, Michigan State game, and I rewatched the Michigan State after-party post-game show, like our reaction on Nice. It. And here's the thing. If you would have told me before the Michigan State game that we held Kenneth Walker to 19 carries for 61 yards throughout four quarters and an overtime at that, and one of your one of the carries in overtime was a 20-something yard run, 
then I would have said there's no way Nebraska loses that game. There is no way that Nebraska loses that game. If you would have told me that Peyton Thorne, who coming in, had not thrown a single pick and people were making a huge deal about that, throws a pick, he does throw a touchdown pass, but has just a little over 100 yards passing. If you would have told me that, I'd say there's no way Nebraska loses this game. But yet, once again, they found a way to lose. And so, like, it, that, that is the perfectly illustrated game. And, and once again, it just goes right back to that. If you need an example of why this defense needs the offense to be a good partner in this thing, right? They need the offense to actually work. It, it, Michigan State's a perfect example. Perfect example. You held the Doak Walker Award finalist to 60-some yards in the game, and you held a quarterback that at the time was one of the better ones in the conference because, let's be real, he wasn't having to be asked to do a whole lot because he had Kenneth Walker back there, so his stats looked really good going into, into the game. And the defense forced a turnover. And yet, the special teams, you punt the ball the wrong way, you commit a stupid, couple stupid penalties, you had the whole first down thing in the second half, that was a big storyline, and somehow, some way, they come out in overtime, and once again, you talk about the physicality of the Big Ten Conference, and this defense needs a good counterpart here, is that Kenneth Walker, he's just good enough to where eventually, if they stick with the run time and time again, one's going to break free, and that's exactly how Michigan State won that game is they just stuck with it the entire time. Yeah, and, and, and I, I think that there are going to be games where Nebraska's offense has to step up. But again, I think, you know, the Michigan State game, the Oklahoma game, I think that those, I think that they, they had a good game plan going in. They, they weren't trying to do too much on offense. They understood that their defense uh, could keep them in that game. And, uh, and, and so they kind of called the game accordingly. And I, I want to see a little bit more of that. Of course, if, if this offense can get rolling and, and average 35 points a game, then throw that out. Then, then yeah, exactly. you know, try to get the offense use, use rolling. Use your strength. Right. Use your strength. Find but, it and, and use it. But if the defense is the strength, lean on the defense a little bit. And, you know, you don't, don't take as many um, uh, chances there. Maybe fourth down or, 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 or big-time play calls um, or whatever the case may be where you're being risky um, because – the, the defense is able to keep you in the game. So it, it's a bit, you know, there's, there's a bit of a, a, of a discussion to go on there because I do agree they need the offense to step up, but I also do, I, I also wanna, want to acknowledge that I thought those were well-coached games. I thought that that was mm-hmm. a, a good approach not to try um, to score 40 against those teams just because, if you know, if you get in, in uh, especially when you're thinking about Oklahoma, you don't want to get a shootout uh, against Oklahoma. You want to, you know, they played that game at their pace, a pace that was going to let them stay in that game. I, I said this a couple weeks ago, and, and I got a little bit of pushback on it because Michigan was the other one that came up, which I, I think is true, especially the third quarter of Michigan. Um, but I, I still stand by the, the idea and the thought that Oklahoma was Scott Frost's best coach game. Mm. When you think about all the, 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 the chips that were stacked against them, the, every, the, the, nobody even gave Nebraska a shot to be in that game. And you have to remember where we were at at the time. Because now we look back and go, well, they lost every score or every game, you know, less than a touchdown or less than double digits or whatever it was. And they lost to Oklahoma, who was third in the nation at the time on the road, 23-16. to And you look at that game and you look at how they were a 20-and-a-half point dog going into the game. And you look at how we had no idea what Nebraska's roster was like. We had no idea how this offense was going to operate on a consistent basis or if it was going to be consistent at all. And you think about the way uh, all the chips that were stacked against them 
going into that Oklahoma game. They get punched in the mouth right away. Uh, with they they allow a touchdown right right off the bat. One or excuse me on on Oklahoma's first drive, and then they they start out with two penalties and they make it first and twenty right out of the gate for them. Like they don't make it easy on themselves, but yet they found a way, like you said, Bach, to slow Oklahoma down, play their style of football, and that was the only way that Nebraska was going to win last year. They did not have the offense that Oklahoma had. They did not have as much as as much as Spencer Rattler was was not good last year. He still could throw the ball, and they still had playmakers. They had more playmakers than Nebraska. And I still stand by the, the thought, and I'll do it for, for a long time, hopefully hopefully until Northwestern here, that Oklahoma-Nebraska was Scott Frost's best coach game. And, yeah. and because the way that you the look, you look deeper and say they had to slow things down. Gabe Irvin goes down somewhat early as well. Ramir Johnson has to come in, um, and, and you have to face that front four that featured Perry on Winfrey. Like it, with an average offensive line, and somehow, some way, Nebraska only loses by seven. But um, I, I guess you know it's it's just kind of interesting to see how the the chips are stacked against them. Four zero two four six four five six eight five. The Honda Lincoln Hotline, the Sarder Heyman text line. Tater asks, "Who will be our Walker, our Kenneth Walker?" <laughs> well, it's be nice to have one. Um. If you had to pick <laughs> one guy. Who are, who are, who's Nebraska rolling out right out of the gate? Bob? Does that mean who's their running back or who's? Yeah, let's, yeah. they don't have, they don't have a Kenneth Walker. Yeah, unfortunately. So who is their starter? Who is the first guy to to walk out of the tunnel? I still think it's Anthony Grant. I think by the end of of camp, it seemed to be Anthony Grant and Gabe Irvin battling for it. Um, Ramir Johnson, I think, is going to be in his new role, kind of as the, the wide back or whatever he called it. Yeah, Debo um, Samuel. Yeah. And uh, you know they can they can go back to him if they need to, but I think that and and, that, and again when we talk about depth uh, at the running back position, I think that's another sign of depth that you're you're literally taking. Be careful your, about depth, Bob. I understand that, but you're literally taking your starter and kind of molding a position form rather than just saying okay you're back at running back. So um, you know I, I expect to see Anthony Grant. Um, I will say I think he was down in the spring game, <laughs> according to the two-hand touch rules or whatever. Um, but on he did that, have the, yard yeah, he did have the flash, the flash display in the, in the spring game. But I'm excited to finally see him. Um, and uh, you know, I, I don't know. I, I would not be any more surprised if it was Gabe Irvin. Um, but if it's anybody else, I'd be a little bit surprised. Yeah, I, I'm gonna. I'm honestly going with Gabe Irvin. Yeah, I, I've been I, I've been on the Gabe Irvin train for a long time. It feels like. Um, and, and when I watched him in practice, he's put he's he's molded his body into a different way now this year. He looks different than he did last year. Um, and I understand that's like a, a super cliche thought when it, when it comes to offseason changes and things like that. Is that this guy's put on this weight or this guy's put on this amount of muscle and and he just looks different. He looks the part. I understand that's cliche, um, but but when you see him in practice and you kind of just see the 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 how they run with conviction. Um, I think that's something that Nebraska has been lacking in that running back room. Somebody that runs with conviction and just runs hard. Um, because, I mean, when was the last time you had a guy do that? Divine. Yeah. I I, yeah. I, I mean, Divine's the guy like, that comes to my mind. Diedrich Mills. He had a if, he had a few games. If stretch. he was given the opportunity, he was a bit beat up. He was beat career, up yeah. by like Rutgers the, his final game. Oh yeah, yeah. That's another thing. If, if they would have actually handed him off the ball a little bit earlier, again, I don't know if that was COVID issues or injury issues or whatever. Um, but his uh, his senior year, junior year, whatever it was before he went off, uh, was 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 frustrating because I thought that he showed that 
in his first year down the stretch that he yeah. could be that bell cow type of back, and they just didn't they go back to him. But, um, yeah, I mean, I, I think – I and the other thing is I, I can't wait to see on, on Saturday is, is which true freshman are we going to see. I think you're going to see Ernest Hausman, obviously. But Ooh. as far as this conversation goes – are we going to see AJ Allen? Is a is AJ Allen His, have enough talent? Oh, like, if he might be the most talented guy in the room here, um, and if that's the case, you know, freshman, true freshman, can play at that position pretty quickly. Um, you see it all the time. Saw it last year. Yeah, saw it with Gabe. Nebraska. I mean, Nebraska started Gabe Irvin as a true freshman. AJ Allen is really intriguing for me um, because I've see I see one of those situations where he slowly works his way into the fold, and then Oklahoma like the game against Oklahoma, so game three of the season, or four, excuse me, game four of the season, you're starting to really notice kind of some separation with him. Like, I wouldn't be surprised if they start things out with, with a Jacques Yant, Gabe Irvin, and an Anthony Grant kind of trio, and then you're going to, I truly believe that um, you will start seeing A.J. Allen. I mean, like, I, I wouldn't be surprised if we see A.J. Allen in some capacity on Saturday yeah. and every single time out, especially when you look at North Dakota and Georgia Southern, and if Nebraska is able to get up on them early, there is no reason why AJ Allen should not be in that game. Yeah, I mean, because regardless of whether he's redshirting, I mean, you could still redshirt him and play him four games. So those are the That's type true. of games you would expect to see him. Yeah, and, and Byron says this. I don't know how we're going to use five running backs. Um, well, they're not. <laughs> they're not going to use five necessarily, but feels like almost. I guess depth. This is a depth discussion, but it almost feels like they are jam packed there. And you just yeah. you just kind of got a, a group of guys that you don't really know what or how it's going to shuffle out. Yeah. Well, they, and, and I know it, again, new staff, so hopefully you get a better outcome. But I just hope that they don't have the guy at a fourth string this Saturday end up being the leading rusher yeah. this year. Could be AJ Allen, or or much worse. Um, you know, such a stacked room that. Uh, one or two guys transfers, and then one of those guys that transfers ends up being the best college football player there. It's just it, it's a little bit of a fear because yeah. of how they've evaluated running backs so far. Yeah, it is. It is. Uh, in, it's in, intriguing to see how they're going to play out the the running back room. Uh, somebody asked, "Will Whipple be on the sideline or in the booth?" He will be on the sideline. Eric Schneider will be in the booth. It's a little bit different in Ireland. Um, they were talking about it on the press conference yesterday. It's actually on the the press boxes are in the end zones. Oh, okay. So they're not. So it's going to be a it's not of, as good of a view. It's not as good of a view for Eric Shenander, but Mark Whipple will be on the sideline all season long. Song of the day is next on early break. Get ready to rate it on the text line 402-464-5685. We'll be right back on early break on the ticket. Guys, are you worried that you're losing your hair? Do you look in the mirror and see less hair looking back at you? Maybe you're thinking, it's cool, I'll shave it. Or I'll just wear a hat from now on. Or maybe even, I'll just break the bank to get plugs. But before you shave, hide, or replace your hair, have you thought about regrowing it? Because there are effective, FDA-approved treatments that work. One is a prescription clinically proven to prevent further loss. The other is clinically proven to regrow your hair in two to four months. And both are available from Roman for just a dollar a day. Just complete a free online visit. Roman connects you to a U.S. licensed healthcare professional who will work with you to find the best treatment plan. Then Roman sends everything you need right to your door with free shipping and indiscreet packaging. Not just once, but every month. So guys, are you Roman ready for a thicker, fuller head of hair? Go to roco slash regrow. Do it today, and Roman will give you 20% off your first order. That's ro.co slash regrow. 